Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. Look, I know I'm contractually obliged to say this, but boy, do we have a good week coming up on the Second Captain's World Service. All of your Christmas shopping needs will be taken care of when we announce the Second Captain's Sportsbook of the Year with Sinead O'Carroll and Malachy Clerken later in the week. A brand new episode of the Players' Chair tomorrow as Richie sits down for a riveting chat with Keith Earls. Ken is back from his break just in time for a full round of midweek Premier League games. And I believe we're even throwing in a bit of US Murph into the mix at some point. Hey, Murph. Hey, Si. Hey there. Hey, old hey Murph. I've, if you weren't already a member, Murph, you would be a World Service member after that pitch, right? <laughs> I can confirm I am a World Service member. I'm, I, I, think, I think I'm contractually obliged to say that as well. But I am. Just, uh, just let the record state. Secondcaptains.com, five euro a month plus VAT if you want to join to hear all that. Our Monday Football Podcast is out now, available to everybody, featuring lots of chat about St. Pat's winning the FAI Cup final. And lots of tangents from Ken, taking in the likes of... Shakespeare, the Beatles, and cinnamon. All sorts of stuff going on there. There was a little bit of football in there too. Remember, you were at the cup final, but still found time to watch the heroics of John McGrath for his, the tip herder well, John McGrath for his club yesterday. Well, on, I've, we've been watching for weeks. Uh, the Lotmore Castellani story unfold. Uh, and yes, I did sit down this morning to watch the tip hurling final because I saw all the tweets. Uh, it was actually kind of difficult to, to figure out who was talking about what sporting event I saw a lot of <laughs> oh my god what a final for people that I follow and I was like well yes the FA Cup final was good I mean the atmosphere was great I, if I was watching on television would I be this effusive uh, but then extra time out, and not yeah. so much the 90 minutes but yeah. anyway they were talking about the Tip Hurling final uh, as it turned out they were talking about the Tip Hurling final because a lot more Castellani uh, the club of John McGrath the aforementioned John McGrath so they are the football and hurling county champions in Tip Hurling uh, after they won the hurling final yesterday it was the football final uh, eight days ago it's absolutely insane what they've done on. I mean, I can't, like, and I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. You're always minding your own corner on. I'll say that about you. Sure, Kilmacud Crooks are the double champions in Dublin. Yeah. It's not unique. <laughs> but Crooks had only one player on both panels. It's the same panel. It's the same team 
with a lot more Castellani. They've the oh, same, really? They have the same manager in both hurling and football. It's absolutely absurd. What no, I don't doing. think you'd get that level of uh, of buy-in across the two codes at Chemical Krogs. I don't know. Certainly back in the day, I, I recall that it was very much a divided yes. kind of a club. But probably, I'm sure different now, but yeah, certainly dual players at senior level is not a big thing. Yeah. But well, I mean, it, like, it I could, is in tip. Yeah, I mean, I could tell you like how ma- the numbers, but it's, it is like it's the exact same panel of players. What they do is they train for a week uh, as hurlers. So that was uh, the last seven days. Now this week, they're going to train as footballers for the first round of the Munster Senior Club ch- uh, Championship on Sunday. And then once they've played that, they go back and train as hurlers for a week. Wow. I mean, it boggles the mind. <laughs> I mean, it's not like they're juggling... You know, it's not like they have to train seven nights a week. It's the same people. Yeah. So they just train for a week. For a, They prepare for a week for one sport and then switch to a different sport the following But I mean, the week, fitness stuff is back. all the same. So it's actually quite an efficient way of doing it in some ways, isn't it? Well, it's, it, well it, it's made easier given that they all that they all play both. You know, so if there was like seven or eight dual players, yeah. then there would be seven or eight guys on both teams that this could be the would future, have to be stood like, down for a week. Yeah. So this is 17 weeks in a row. They're playing for at least another two weeks as they're out in the Munster Senior Football and Hurling uh, Club Championships. I mean, and by the way, can I just say, they're absolutely forgiven for thinking, we'll show up for these games, but let's not go nuts. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the idea that they've won two county championships in a, uh, two county cha- uh, championships inside a week, having played for 70... I mean, this is a replay as well yesterday, which is a really hilarious thing. <laughs> like, you know? uh, so throughout all the games, and they've like been squeaking home in a lot of these games as well. John McGrath, as you mentioned, has been above it all. You may recall, like, he actually had a really bad year for Tipperary this year. Like, he was dropped. He was out of form. Just looked to shadow the player he was three or four years ago. Um, but he won man of the match in the tip hurling quarter, semi, and drawn final. Scored the winning goal in the last minute of the football final last weekend. And then scored the winning point a minute into injury time. A free, like, from the sideline, 21 yards out in the hurling replay yesterday. He was pipped for Man of the Match by John Maher yesterday, which I have to say, uh, Donald O'Grady was on co-commentary for <laughs> TG Carr. You didn't read the room there. Uh, what about the narrative? You could easily have given that to John McGrath. No one would have complained, even though John Maher was absolutely, uh, extraordinarily good. Um, so it's it's just crazy. It's uh, it's an amazing, ridiculous achievement that they've done. Um, like they Look, are going uh, to- Just getting that many players to be dual players, is that common? No, no, no. I, I mean, absolutely not. I mean, it, what's kind of weird about a lot more Castellani in ways is that they're a football club that have developed a brilliant hurling setup. Ah, so, right. so they're uh, historically they were they were a football club, and obviously you know the McGraths come along and they're uh, magnificent hurlers, uh, and they've been competitive in the in the hurling championship. You know, ever ever since Noel McGrath kind of came out of minor, basically. Um, but it is it's it's uh, like you're dealing with a place so small that the crossover is inevitable. You know, that like, mm. there, there aren't, you know, 40 fit young men aged between 18 and 35 uh, that you could pick two entirely different teams from. That's just, I mean, the 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 population of the parish, Damien Cullen was writing in the Irish Times, Damien, who's from Lapmore Castellani, saying the, the population of the parish is 1,000 people. Uh, <laughs> and it, like, it really, really is. And, uh, like, I think what's, what's kind of weird and what's wonderful, I think, for... Uh, people from there as well is that I know I was watching the drawn hurling final going absolutely daft up for them like every like everyone loves this story uh, it was shown live on TG Carrier yesterday judging by I was you know reading my timeline in reverse um, 
everyone was just gone daft shouting for a lot more in the hope that they would be able to do this because they lost both finals last year by a point inside a week. So they lost the football final and then lost the hurling final one after wow. another inside seven days by a point. And then they come back the following year and win both finals by a point. <laughs> so wow. it's, it's, it is it's absolutely unbelievable. It's a, Murph, it's would, an extraordinary it, would a hurling club ever do this? Would they ever manage to get their football team up to that standard? In tip, I mean. In tip, well, see, it's kind of, a, I mean, I'm doing it a disservice by calling it a football club that plays, I mean, you know, they're, they're obviously an unbelievable duo club, you know. Um, I think maybe it's easier for a historically football club to, you know, enthusiastically get on board with playing hurling, uh, considering winning the Tipperary Hurling Championship is a, a gigantic achievement in any year, and then saying, okay, well, we'll try and build up the football uh, to kind of double our chances of a county championship. I mean, that would be politically, I think, different in, uh, difficult in a lot of clubs. Um, so maybe this is the only way to do it. But uh, however, whichever way you slice it, um, to see what they've done over the last couple of weeks has been kind of, it has boggled the mind. Um, I do have some other Tipperary GA-related news. I don't, I, I don't know if you'd be interested in it, though, on, to be honest. You won't even kick a fucking pint. Shane fouling him, pulling him, dragging him to the ground. He's all right, he's all right, he's only winning. He slides the ball down the field, now what are you doing? I'm getting me, can we hold out? Wait, whatever you're calling. Yes, on it was Whoa. it was the F and Eddie rematch yesterday. Nina Irog against Aherlow, not in the under twenty one final, uh, but in the Tipperary Junior B football final. This just twenty nine short years after these exact same <laughs> clubs played in the Tipper <laughs> under twenty one football final game made famous by the unique commentary stylings of F and Eddie Moroni, the hungover man who belched, cursed, and swore his way into the hearts <laughs> and, min- and minds of millions via poorly pirated VHS copies of said performance. Nina won the game 11-6. Uh, revenge for 92. So hang on, is that, uh, which is F and Eddie's clubs? Does that make F and Eddie happy uh, or it sad? It makes him sad. He was an Aherlow man. Mother Aherlow of God, man, of it'll be a big night in the Glen. Uh, I don't need to, I don't need to remind you of the words of the, the great man. So it was revenge. Revenge uh, for 92. Nina won at 11-6. The game was streamed live on Tip GA TV. Now I haven't, unfortunately, of course. time constraints means I haven't been able to sit through the entirety of the uh, Tipperary Junior B football <laughs> final yet, but unfortunately, it appears the game passed off without major incident in the commentary booth. We'll always have Eddie, though. Well, I mean, it's, I was already bigging up the week we're having on the World Service with so many of my favourite slots. I did not realise we were going to get expect F and Eddie, did you? Yeah. So thank you for that, Simon. You're on because there was a lot going on in the URC at the weekend in the rugby. Well, nothing going on for Munster, unfortunately. Their matches were postponed. After the develop- developments around the new COVID variants, they're in South Africa themselves. They were mm. supposed to join the other European-based teams on a charter flight back home on Friday, but one of their players has tested positive for COVID. So now the team is stuck there in their hotel for, we don't know how long at the moment as we record, but they would have to undergo, I mean, according to the rules in Ireland, they're going to have to undergo 10 days of hotel quarantine on returning to the country. So all of this is throwing the Champions Cup games, at a minimum throwing their preparation for the Champions Cup mm. in doubt, and maybe throwing the matches themselves against Wasps and Cast in doubt as well. Yeah, uh, Cardiff are stuck there as well, they're in Cape Town, but they have two positive cases, and one of theirs is believed to be the new variant. Uh, but Munster, yeah, they're just waiting on South African health authorities to tell them what to do. Depends how long that takes. I mean, there's so little information on the new variant, God knows, and then they did have 10 days in Ireland, as you said, so... The URC have some jobs sorting the fixtures, whatever about the Champions Cup, as in the European Cup, 
but the URC is such a complicated league structure at the best of times. Right now, it's a total mess. And God knows when the South African sides will be allowed to travel again, or even if the season can be completed, because you know, originally there was plans for them to go up to Italy and play in North Italy for the whole of the season, which would have been a nightmare for the players, considering they've been with a lot of them been with, say, South Africa uh, on tour, or sorry, rather in a bubble for months on end and looked shattered by the end of their European tour. So to ask some of those players to do the same again just seems unreasonable. Um, kind of counterproductive so that the whole league is kind of up in the air at the moment uh, but in the shorter term for Munster and the Champions Cup I can't see that one playing on the day I'd say it'll be postponed the Wasp game What about the games that did happen Leinster deservedly beaten by Ulster bit of a mm. bit of a shocker for Leinster Yeah eight years since Ulster beat Leinster away uh, Ulster deserve winners like it wasn't Leinster's first team but say Furlong and Henshaw were playing and as we know, Leinster's B team's full of internationals. So it's a massive achievement for Ulster. And, you know, we've talked about this multiple times on the podcast. There's such a mental block with Leinster, going back a long, long time, going back decades, really. But they played this sort of pressure game, dominated the breakdown. They kind of beat Leinster up a little bit, which was surprising. Leo That's Cullen what Leo Cullen was talking mm. about. Yeah, there was a bit of this. Uh, where it's a contact sport. It's man against man in the contact area. So we need to make sure we're up for that challenge. And he's, he's, This is where he's, he's starting to talk ahead about the Connacht game and what they need to do on Friday night. But they got beaten up, yeah. And he also just, you know, he said these players, like the kind of fringe players for Leinster, some of them, their chances gone now is what he said, which is kind of scary. Like, crazy amount of pressure on players who you know played might have a chance to do this once or twice in a season it's almost like it's a very rare situation in rugby where you might have so few chances and there's literally 15 internationals ahead of you like the Ireland team is the Leinster team at the moment yeah but I guess it's the 15 internationals ahead of you and then it's the next batch of players in the year behind you in the academy you are coming up it's (laughs) constant if you're at a a club with the amount of players that Leinster have available Uh, it's, it's an absolute joke but Ulster you know, they threatened to choke a little bit because they did dominate the game. Not dominate it, but they should have won it, you know. But the fact that they gathered themselves, took a hold of their nerve again, and then finished it with a late James Hugh intercept try to win it by 10 in the end. With, with Leinster on an attack that looked quite exciting, could have gone somewhere. So the fact that they held their nerve, I think, would be the big takeaway for them. And Dan McFarlane, the Ulster coach, was saying he thinks it's the biggest win or the most significant win of his 90-odd games in charge. And that is down to the fact that it was Leinster. It's in Dublin. Like, Leinster dominate the league to such a ridiculous, farcical degree and dominate this fixture to such a degree that I think in Ulster players' minds, this is really significant. And Nick Timoney, the guy we talked about last week who got called mm-hmm. into Ireland camp with a few hours notice, he was phenomenal. Like, really, really good. Like, he's always been this sort of sevens-type, fast, dynamic player but he's now doing all the basics. was brilliant at the breakdown. They've Dwayne Vermeulen coming back in, one of the best number eights in the whole world. Hume, as I said, looked really good. Bit of attitude about him as well. No harm, maybe. Uh, Doak was kicking points. Um, He's kind of the coming nine in Ireland, I hope, or we hope. Uh, But they have to back it up for the next few games because Ulster's problem is uh, one of these and then playing badly for a couple of games in a row after that. Connacht maybe isn't good news for them this has happened to Leinster this week but they'll be confident enough anyway They we were talking about Ireland scoring seven tries through the forwards uh, last week yeah. against yeah. Argentina Connacht scored seven tries all by the backs That's against right. Ospreys in horrific weather conditions That's it like the irony of Connacht's playing style Murph is it's suited to good weather like that is over the last few years that's just been the just way Just sitting here thinking about Jack Carty's kicking stats you know and like 
I, I, I mean, they, they obviously they stand up to uh, reasonable inspection, but like he was being asked to kick through a wind tunnel. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah. any of the kicks that he was asked to kick in the first half in particular were mir- literally miracle shots. They would have been the greatest kick of all time yeah. if any of them had got over. Uh, but I mean, other than the other than having to kick the conversions after these unbelievable tries, I mean, it made me nostalgic for home. I have to say, just I, I it, it, just looking at it was just. This is the most Galway weather. This isn't rain. This is rain plus. You know, this is r- premium rain. <laughs> this is real. This is the primo stuff that yeah, you're dealing yeah. with. Uh, Mac Hansen, you know, the Aussie born winger, who's been unbelievably good. Uh, he's actually got an Irish mum, by the way. That's why he's in the Irish squad. He's, he's Irish qualified. But he, he said to his teammates and to the manager after, he assumed the game would be called off a few minutes in. Like, literally, I presume we can't play in this. This is ridiculous. Um, but they went on score seven tries all by the backs. Hansen scored a brilliant one. Uh, they'd be brilliant in their last two games. 46 points against the Ospreys and a few weeks ago, 36 against Ulster. Uh, Andy Friend is just such a good match for the province, for the style of players they have there. Jack Carty signed the contract extension, but they have Leinster away next week. But they also played very well in that fixture. They won it last year, should have won it the previous year, and generally play well against Leinster. All right, we've got an email here from Jordan Melia before we wrap things up. Hi, guys. Love the show. Unfortunately, I have to call you out on fake news, though, from last Thursday's show. It was claimed that stone skipping is virtually impossible and is, in fact, an optical illusion. These sort of comments are incredibly damaging to the up-and-coming minority sport that is stone skipping. Listen, I have to say, this is this is all on Murph. I did not partake in this slandering of a great competitive sport in fact it was me who brought it up I said that Thiago after scoring that goal that he scored the other day strikes he's the kind of lad who'd stroll up on the beach and just casually skim a stone 20-30 times into the ocean not look at without a backwards glance as you struggle to plop one in with no matter Murph said no what was your argument Murph it just doesn't exist optical illusion yeah yeah I mean it's just it's computer jiggery pokery right well <laughs> Please take note of the attached video of Dave Spiderman Omer, who can be seen skipping yeah, fake his. News. I've, I've watched the video. It's it's fake. It's obviously fake. His it's a deep fake one. And if you if you've fallen for it, well, you know that's on you. His specially chosen rocks at an astonishing fifty times across the water. It would be great to see the show give this coverage, give this sport some coverage, which not only requires incredible athleticism and technique, but a keen geological eye for the correct stones to complement the athlete's skill set. Looking forward to this in the future. That's from Jordan. It is. It's a wild sport. I must say. I watched the video myself. Sent on. This is ESPN. Might be the highest octane ESPN commentary you've ever heard in your life. Next contestant is Dave Omer of Erie, Pennsylvania. And he gets his rocks from Lake Erie and brings them down here. <laughs> <laughs> Brought his own stones. That's the key to it. You got to take your own hmm. stones from your own neck of the woods. But I mean, were they were they allowed to be independently verified? Presumably, like he's just bringing his he's bringing his own his like, special Lake Erie stones. Yeah. By the way, he's called Spider Man because is, of his stance. The fix is in Murphy. You can see he's got a little Spidey Spider Man yes. type. Stuff. Here's another example of the thrills and spills of competitive stones. Can you? Still skipping. Look at that. Look at that go. And the judges say that one's going to come in at 50. Five, zero, 50 skips. 50 skips, Murph. Say skips, would it not be skims? Yeah, I don't know. 25 being the magic number to make it to the professional leagues. They were saying that apparently the amateurs, you're considered amateur up to 25. But once you can do more than 25, you're a pro as the Spider-Man is. So you're convinced now? Okay. There's there's money involved in this, is there? I I'm sure. I mean, if there's an amateur rank and there's a pro rank, I'm gonna. There's obviously the money is changing hands somewhere along here, and that makes me deeply sad. Just deeply <laughs> sad for civilization. Odd. Still skipping. Look at that. 
Look at that go. That's enough nonsense. I think we'll wrap things What's up. What's your skim record on, by the way? No, like two. No, not even one. I can't do it. It just plops in. Just a plop. It plops. Maybe I've had a half a, half a skip before. You're picking the wrong stones. That's about the extent of it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Murph. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Owen. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to join up to the World Service if you're not already a member. Loads of good stuff coming up over the next few days. And he gets his rocks from Lake Erie and brings them down here. It's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. <laughs>